Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm Hannah Harley-Young, a photographer by trade and a foodie at heart. Each week I sit down and chat all things food with well-known foodies, industry insiders, chefs, critics and people who just love their food. Today I'm joined by the woman who is responsible for making me look and feel the most beautiful I've ever felt last year on June 28th on my wedding day. Kate Halfpenny, the owner and designer behind Halfpenny London, the British bridal brand, is a magician. Her infamous range, known for its interchangeable pieces, the highest quality fabrics and exquisite, modern and may I say cool designs, turn an everyday bride into a magnificent vision. We'll get on to my personal experience later, but Kate is a true visionary. Leading by the phrase, be the bride you want to be, the halfpenny experience is like no other. Her dresses fit and feel differently. She accommodates for women no matter their size or age, and parts of her collection are so versatile you could even wear them on a glamorous night out. What a joy it is to be back in her boutique in central London and be with the woman herself. Kate, thank you for joining me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. I'm <laughs> blushing at that intro. It's all true. Oh, this is your life. <laughs> this is your life. And it is so nice to be back here because the last time I was here, um, I think I was picking up my dress. Oh, gosh. I know, back like when... Distant, when life was actually... Normal. Life and, and life, fun. Exactly. How are you? I am. I'm quite livid today, actually. Yes. Normally, I would definitely not start a conversation like that. And yeah. I would, you know, I'm all for celebrating the joy. And I've been celebrating the joy of COVID and the last insane six months of our lives. But however, I am so absolutely cross today because we've got one more day of retail and then we're closing again for a month. So they say um, we've had the most insane three months um, of brides coming in and the, the new systems that we've put in place since reopening after COVID have really enhanced the experience even more so, even though you gave me that glowing review from last year. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we've been celebrating all of the things that that's the, the time and the reflection and the and the new systems uh, have brought to the business. And, and, you know, brides don't come 10 times before they make an order and they, they're more focused because they don't want to schlep to loads of boutiques and so we're having incredible wonderful brides that are just so grateful to be able to finally get in and choose their dress and to start dreaming and imagining how they're going to look and what the day's going to look like and yet again the rug's been pulled from under everyone's feet I think something that I really gained from my experience of being a bride-to-be was actually it's not about the wedding day it's the whole run-up yeah that was actually the the exciting part yeah. you know getting all the components and putting it together. And I feel like that's, you know, a lot of brides have had to kind of change what they're going to do for their wedding, just yeah. go and do the civil ceremony, do the party later. But it's sort of, it all still feels quite rushed and it's not exactly what you planned. And it, honestly, my heart goes out. What broke my heart on Sunday, um, and it, it happened um, a few weeks ago when they took 30 people at a wedding down to 15, I was like, my brides... And literally, my husband was like, that just, for me, is a testimony to you that it's not really, you don't think about your business. I don't. I genuinely am so devastated and frustrated for everyone whose magical journey, the biggest, most fabulous day of their life, yeah. this experience that they're supposed to have, like you say, the planning, the appointments, the, the visits, it's kind of, 
you know, you're only allowed to bring one person with you from the same household now. It cannot be somebody that doesn't live with you. It's obviously been a really tough time for the wedding industry and for brides. Throughout this whole period of lockdown, so kind of from March, have you, as an as a designer, have you felt more inspired, less inspired? Have you been designing throughout this whole period? I have, and we launched a new collection last month. Um, we would have been at Bridal Market in New York, which is a huge market for us, and, and particularly our Asian market, Japan, we have a huge presence there. Um, and that's where we meet with our, our buyers from the States and, and Asia. And it, it, it was such a beautiful collection. It was very, it was very different. The, the, the piece that I wrote about that collection said that the, the collection looked very different when I started designing it and had got it all mood boarded before lockdown. And then the whole impact of lockdown and the reflection of, of me looking at this very decadent and quite heavily embellished collection made me realize that I needed to to reshape it so I've taken key silhouettes and and looked to, for inspiration of what well, actually sometimes things are right in front of you mm. um, so yeah a lot of reflection and a lot of change and it's a very clean and simple collection with I just showed you the skirt that's got the hearts encapsulated down the seams and and the, the little Gipure cape on that big frilly number Beautiful. by the door is, is uh, again, made from waste. So it's now more than ever forcing me to look at ways that um, that we, as a business, consume fabrics and and, and our footprint and our everything more, more than ever. So I'm so inspired I, from launching that and people's reaction to it and everyone's you know, it's the best collection you've done and, and how the fact it changed so much. Um, that, yeah, it was hard having a child at home and trying to be inspired and work. I can and, imagine. Yeah. But, Were you homeschooling in between all of that? Yeah. I mean, fortunately, <laughs> he's he was five um, at the oh, end of okay, August. Fine. So he's the youngest in year one uh, at his school. So he's he was very much a little baby four-year-old that technically really probably should have started reception this September. But because of his age, he did go in last year and... So yeah, homeschooling was building camps, teaching him how to make scrambled eggs. He's very good at making a coffee now. And oh God, you're, tra <laughs> you're training him young. I love that. But he so loves cutting <laughs> really? veg and preparing food. And yeah, he made an incredible chocolate tort on Sunday for oh a lunch that we had. And yeah, it, he's he, he yeah he loves it in the kitchen. Oh my God, this building. is gonna be my future job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I love it. And you can I'm gonna make sure that they can make my coffee exactly as I want yeah. it practically as soon as they can walk. Yeah. So just wanna bring it back to the food. What did you have for breakfast today? Today I had I'm a we're a massive household of hard boiled eggs. Oh. Well, not quite not quite hard, you know, that tiny it's bit like I, slightly I could cook yes. them perfectly. Like molten in the middle. Yeah. Oh, I love and it. um so I, I had a uh, two hard-boiled eggs cut into quarters and seasoned with now that I can't think of the name of it but you put it around your um your beer in Mexico you know like the a lime salt yeah the, the lime Mexican salt, salt. yeah I'm so I put with so that. put that on your hard-boiled yes egg with a tiny bit of salt and pepper and then I have it with corn cake thins with a little bit of that French salted butter so insane and you can always add a slice of finocchio or yeah or some pea shoots and oh a bit of cucumber on the side i'm not supposed to be eating potatoes and tomatoes the sort of deadly nightshade things at the moment so i'm really missing not having like a load of tomatoes that on there as well but yeah fabulous so that's something that james and i literally would 
hardboil a dozen eggs and then that's kind of three days i have to say that lime salt changes anything as well anything. i put it on a lot of stuff it also looks amazing yeah, if looks you're really putting a platter out and doing a whole kind of continental spread when you've got guests staying which <laughs> so won't true. be happening right no it won't now. be happening anytime yeah. soon so i just want to take it back to your childhood you were born in derbyshire what was your childhood like what were you eating growing up who was cooking was food important sort of paint the picture for me so um, my mum and stepdad were very much um, like a, we'd get in from school and have home-cooked meals and it would be your kind of pie and mash. It would be your very English kind of classic foods. It was a proper sit-down meal and there was nearly always a dessert. And then on a Friday, my dad would pick me up and we'd go there till Sunday and my sister and I would cook with my dad. It would just be the three of us for, for the, the formative kind of teenage years until he remarried and... My dad and sister were addicted to prawn cocktails and I hated prawns as a, ch a teenager. Really? Yeah, so I would have a cucumber cocktail and my dad would kind of do loads of different amazing things to the cucumbers where he'd shave them and, and cut them and ribbon them and just make these amazing jazzy cucumber oh, wow. cocktails. So I'd have the iceberg lettuce and loads of cucumber and then the the Mary Rose on oh, top. Oh, I love it. Um, and my dad and sister were complete meat eaters and loved steak and and rare and and I was more like my mother who was a vegetarian and so for most of my teenage years yeah just wouldn't eat meat if there was any blood near it until I kind of went to France for um, about I was about 17 I think and I went to France for a month and I mean BMQ was the kind of like yeah. the, the word that I just keep saying yeah. and they just would send it back and it still have blood on the plate and I eventually just realized actually it's a far better way of eating it <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, there's nothing I love more than my husband doing a big piece of steak on the barbecue and, and he slices it mm. in the way that they would and then just lays it on a big piece of wood. And he does that the same with pork chops. So that they're all barbecued and all sliced. I mean, yeah. I'm salivating. You need to come. We've just I need, literally yes. put in a 900 circle um, outside oven that's literally, um, I'll put a picture up next week. It literally looks like the one that they have in the pizza garden at the pig. No in, yeah. way. It, I was. I, I sent a picture to our builder saying, oh, I want it this big, joking. And then we ordered this amazing um, kit. That So we just said, you know, we might as well just get the big one. And it's beautiful, all rendered, and, like, it literally looks like some space. Oh, yeah. So you so could this, just a pizza oven, it's yeah, everything. Yeah, everything. But we we're going to be putting big old joints into oh, there. Fabulous. More so than pizzas. I mean, I might be doing the yogurt. You know, the oh, stop. yogurt yes. flatbreads, yeah. you know, that you can just, yes. yogurt and um, gluten-free flour yeah, and, and then the just other. carve them in garlic oh. and, yeah, everything tastes better with smoke, right? So were you predominantly vegetarian growing yeah, up Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and really not heavily into food. I mean, I'm a real salty person. I've always been, I've always loved those salty snacks. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a problem for me. I just, I crave them. Oh, I just, too. yeah, Big I just time. love and now there's those amazing Kentish truffle crisps that are just salty and utterly... Just I mean, everything. Just, yeah. And when you were sort of growing up, aside from the food, did you always know that fashion was going to be your route? Because you ended up going to St. Martin's. Yeah. Was that kind of ingrained in you? Because your mother uh, was... Mother was a knitwear designer right. um, for a short period of time before her and my father separated because it was a business that my dad had set up. My dad was working abroad a lot, so it was, yeah, mum had this ma amazing mohair, um, very Dennis the Menace stripes and kind of bat wings and pastel colours that kind of worked with your dash track suits. And Fab. 
that I kind of grew up under the knitting tables after school, just winding cones and loving the the kind of um, the wool winders and different things, and a lot of machine knits and hand knits. And she had knitters all over the country, and would I'd go on buying trips for wool to Yorkshire, and that massively inspired me. Um, I just never would be seen without a pencil or a pen in my hand I'd doodle and I'd just even if I would just be writing my name the piece of paper that would be by the phone or the pad or the envelope everything would just be covered there wouldn't be a space on it just from I used to love drawing eyes as I don't know why and that's interesting just it was always just you know there'd be eyes and then my name and I'd always try and write like my mum she wrote beautifully and now my friend said the other day did did you write that card your mum just gave to me a housewoman card and I was like no we've just got similar writing I used to I think oh, it was wow. for forging the school notes to get out of PE. And how was St Martin's? I went to St Martin's for a master's, actually. Um, I did my degree in Huddersfield first. Okay. So I went to art college for three years, which was just mind-blowing. And that's when I just was 100% sure I was specialising in, in, in fashion because mm. I, I did everything from pottery to photography. I was obsessed with Cindy Sherman and would recreate those film stills. Even though they were self-portraits, I recreated her pictures using a friend like it was all a bit oh, bonkers wow. I was never kind I of to, I mean I still yeah. love Cindy Sean's oh, work completely and was obsessed with photography and um but yeah I, I I couldn't imagine I just loved making dresses and I was never necessarily I just I always thought I was winging it I had that imposter syndrome for my i I think it's only now that I look and because my mum's been recently saying look what you've created and I and I think what lockdown did was enforce that seeing my massive team on zoom all sat there together and and looking at what we've the, just the conversation the dialogue about the business and and seeing what we had to pause and where we were at and how we've grown the business organically from launching it in 2005 in my front room to a couple of brides a year on the side while I did my styling and my celebrities and my tv commercials and music videos to now I gave all of that up when I started IVF in 2012 um, with Sylvester, was born in 2015. So I kind of set this, I found this shop in 2012 because it had got too big. And then when I was doing all the IVF and everything, I just thought, I can't be traveling like this. I can't, I need to look after myself. I was always that very busy, you know, three commercials on the go at once and shooting here, there and flying off there. And also I then met James in 2009 and, and those few years I didn't want to go away for mm. three weeks to Brazil sadly <laughs> I, I mean I'll take that any, any day anything okay. to go there now no because actually just touching on that you know I guess being a stylist you know it's that's a really demanding job yeah and you you've kind of um fast forwarded a bit but we must mention you know you have dressed some of the biggest names in the industry Kate Moss Rihanna Amelia Fox Erin O'Connor to name just a very fair few but you know it's such a demanding lifestyle. Yeah. So at that point, maybe just before you started the IVF, were you? What was your interest in bridal wear at this point? So my degree um, at Huddersfield, that was your final... I specialised in bridal. Yeah, yeah, for my final show, and yeah. it was little cocktail dresses that had massive overskirts, and as they went down the cut, what they undid the buckle, and the big skirts dropped, and they had little dresses. So, so you've really kept to your yeah, true that, self. I was like, there's a huge gap in the market. I did actually did them in lilacs and pinks because I was like, 
you don't have to get married in ivory for it to be a wedding dress. And I hand felted these amazing coats and and um, hand embroidered raw wool tops that I found um, in Yorkshire that were like, I suppose when you see a, a very curly lamb, I, and then I hand dyed them into lilacs and pinks and then hand embroidered them together with, I basically sandwiched all of this wool between dissolvable fabric embroidered it and then dissolved the fabric and the thread held it together so I made wow. my own fabric like it was amazing and little bustiers um with with kind of these big skirts and these big felt coats over the top and I was like you know there's a huge gap for for going from day to night and and I really didn't see that out there I mean I I remember pouring I had to do a marketing document to go with my collection and I remember sitting there because it was pre-internet it was kind mm. of the, the late 90s mm. and I'd sit in the library and borrow a computer and sit pouring through the Mintel reports on marketing intelligence of what the bridal industry and, and writing how valuable it is. It's it's a massive, important industry that is just brings such a lot of revenue to the, this country. Totally. And and I, I also saw that opportunity as a businesswoman, the, the, the value of offering an incredible service and being able to no holds bar on the fabrics that you can use because the value of the dress was was justifiable in the make and the time and the labor I want the inside of my dresses to look as beautiful as the outside and you kind of you know I was never into sort of fast fashion and everything so it's always been a big love of mine you created Amelia Fox's wedding dress would you feel like that was kind of the turning point where you sort of organically started focusing a lot more on bridal and stepping away from yeah the styling and everything no, else. No, I was very much still in the styling then. You that was 2005 when oh, I did wow, Amelia's okay. dresses and her best friend on her wedding day said, um, you've captured Amelia in every stitch of that dress. And wow. her aunt, Fiona Golfer, that was at Vogue, um, we bumped into her at a fashion show and she said, oh, come and have a look around Vogue. And Amelia and I were like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like the devil wears Prada, let's do it. And they were doing a, a feature on bridal wear and they introduced me to Charlotte Sinclair, another amazing journalist there, and she was getting married. And I ended up taking her mum's um, sort of hat and veil and turning it into a veil that she could wear on her wedding day. And she included a belt that I'd made in her in a feature in Vogue. So my first piece of press was in Vogue wow. um, for my wedding dresses, which, of course, I'd been doing since like 98 when I graduated and went to St Martin's and was always doing them on the side. So... I created a website in 2005. Amelia modelled all of my vintage dresses and a collection that I'd made because I'd always collected vintage wedding dresses and and it, it kind of was born. But I continued to do my, my TV commercials. I'd started doing all the M&S Christmas ads back then. And so I did those for many years, all of those big, big old number mm. ads. And one point I was kind of working with Marks and Spencers, like literally I'd be in every single week sort of working on photo shoots and collections and and it it definitely didn't slow down but what it did do was allow me to to grow this to invest in growing this myself and everything that's here today is is, has grown from that tiny seed very organically and you know we've doubled the size of the business year on year for the last well since we opened but in particular last three years, yeah. it's just, the. I feel, I don't really know what's happened to the brand. It's very strong. We were on Radio 4, the day retail opened back up in um, a few months back. And it's kind of, yeah, we've just got to keep doing what we're you, doing. And you and will. But I think that's what you've just said is really, for me, what sets you apart. And I, and I did want to talk about my experience with you because... I came to you on the recommendation of two completely separate friends. And I 
I am not, should I say I was not, a traditional bride in any sense of the word. I wasn't frilly in the sense of I came by myself. I did all of my appointments around London on my own because I just didn't need the whole sort of hurrah of loads of girls drinking champagne, crying. I'm just not that person. And I think my process when it came to looking for a wedding dress was that I didn't want to leave any stone unturned. So I literally went to every possible place I could go to and I had this whole vision. I wanted to be covered from my neck, down to my wrist, down to my ankle because I've got curves, I've got boobies and as far as I was concerned, I wanted it all covered up because that was the way that my boobies Mm. were going to be held in place for the day. I then come to see you and I I remember meeting and I remember you looking at me. You you weren't judgmental, but you were kind of like, I'm just going to show you something else, Anna. Because I came to you and I said, you know, I really want high neck. And you were like, but look at what you've got. Like, you've got to show this off. And you put me into a couple dresses and then I went in, you put me into the Scotty. And for people that don't know what the Scotty dress is, I I will describe it, but you can technically describe (laughs) it. How I would describe it is the most beautiful, soft, polka dot tulle that is sort of wrapped around the bodice as a sort of sweetheart neckline off the shoulder it comes down into like a sort of sheer see-through skirt and then underneath that is the duchess it's a stretch stretch. Uh, yeah stretches it's like it's it's satin yeah it's just but but it's body hugging exactly so you get best of both worlds and I remember putting it on and coming out and looking in the mirror and I got tears in my eyes because I thought, I never thought that someone like me could wear something like that. Yeah. I mean, obviously on the day there was some scaffolding going on in that old bodice, but I want to ask you, you know, what do you think sets you apart compared to other wedding dress boutiques out there? Because I felt it as a, as a client. So I, I don't know is the answer. All I know is that what we want to do is to see the light in your eye when yeah. we know we found what it is. And it could be a skirt from my collection in 2005 mixed with a top from the 2020 collection, mixed with the a foundation that's never been seen before under those particular mixes. You know, you are allowed in my boutique to create the dress of your dreams, to be the best version of yourself. And, and that isn't my assistants in the store saying to you, you know, yeah, this is it. This is the one. Oh my gosh! You know, it. I had that many times. Yeah, elsewhere. and it's <laughs> and I just find that outrageous yeah. that people. We don't try and upsell. We don't try and force you to pay by the end of the week. We're not selling you a, a, a white good here. We're selling you, we're selling you a package. We're selling you an emotional investment. It's not, you know, often the biggest spend that somebody will ever spend as well. But it's kind of there's more to it in that dress. It's it's everything. It's and I don't know, I don't know what what happens here that's different to other places because obviously I've never been, I've, I think I've been once with a friend because um, she wanted to, she wanted this particular designer and, and obviously I, she had it, but she wanted my opinion mm. and I would never encourage her, to, you know, of I'd course. never say come to me and I'll make you a version <laughs> that of that. That's felt quite weird yeah. for you going somewhere else. Yeah, it's only ever happened <laughs> once. Um, but we... We don't have a style of bride here. We are, as you said in the intro, we are for everybody. You can, yeah, you, you, you're not, you, you, I, it, I don't know how to describe it. I just, 
I think being a stylist has also informed my collection. There is Hugely. absolutely something for everybody here. There is, you know, we've we've had amazing women that are getting married. There's a beautiful story that that the, this couple that this woman she married when she was in her twenties. This guy, she had a family with him. He sadly passed away, and then she met somebody from her late teens, and they oh, both, and wow. he'd lost his wife, and oh. they were having a second chance, and oh they were gosh. so in love in their yeah, and they're now in their sixties, and they're yeah, oh and it's gosh. kind of yeah, what a so, story. And she wanted us to make her dress. She'd seen something, somebody had recommended it, and in the fact that you you can be sixty, you can be seventy, you can be, you know, you can be. 20 marrying somebody you've been dating since you were primary school it's kind of like we do have everything yeah. for everybody and you can be a, a princess bride you can be a fit and flare mermaidy bride you can have seven layers of and be getting on a you know getting married on a ski slope with a fur coat <laughs> over the top of it like we had this bride one time it's kind of there's wow. nothing you can't do or have here and but you even have styles i mean you have trousers yeah. you have shorter skirts you yeah. have long i mean one of my favourite designs that you have that one day I will purchase, not obviously for any other wedding that I plan to be uh, <laughs> attending um, for myself, um, is your the tassel skirt. Oh, yeah, skirt. the ivy. There's oh, a short version yeah. of that that we've Fabulous. done for Netta Yeah, Like, I'd wear that yeah. just on a normal day. We'll do it in black. Yeah, I'm going to get every colour. <laughs> I mentioned in the intro, you stand by the phrase, be the bride you want to be. What does that mean to you? It means that I don't want you to dress for anybody else. I don't want you to think what other people would expect you to wear. I don't want you to do anything other than be the best version of yourself and be what who you imagine that would be walking down the aisle with that confidence and that, you know. I've had brides that have come and can't even bear to look at themselves in the mirror and by the time we're finished with them, they are oozing in confidence. And I sometimes think people don't realise how to make themselves look incredible and with our guidance I mean I I'm not in the shop all the time I simply can't have you know the best of both worlds of running this business and of um seeing all the brides but I just I my girls are incredible and they have that same vision as me and you know every single bride that we see is as important as as you know I thoroughly enjoy doing bridal over kind of dressing stars in the fact that I get to make that very one special day. I mean, stars are very lucky. They get epic dresses daily, mm. and I still love doing that. But just to see the joy, you look how much joy it's brought to you yeah, just having absolutely. that dress that made you feel amazing and it yeah. fitted you in all the right places. And I've never loved my boobs more, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I still look at the photos and I'm like, damn, Hannah, you got it going on. Yeah, I mean, you had two dresses. <laughs> I did have two dresses. Yeah. Maybe just actually make a special mention to the Victor dress yeah. that I called my Beyonce dress yeah. because I remember trying it on here and I thought, oh dear me, I'm going to have to buy two dresses <laughs> because this dress is off the scale. I remember your mum, she, she can't <laughs> stop talking about that other dress. And you know what's interesting? People have asked me in the past, you know, since I've sort of started Crazy Sexy Food as well, because I'm going to come onto something that's quite topical for me, um, talking about how we perceive ourselves as, as women. And people have asked me, you know, when's the most beautiful you've ever felt? And actually the most beautiful I have ever felt was on my wedding day. And I'm not just saying that because I'm with you, but there was a specific moment. It goes without saying the Scotty dress was my main dress. Yeah. I walked down the aisle in that. It was everything. 
that I changed into the victor halfway through the party. And I remember walking through the dance floor with this beautifully fitted little sort of thin little strap dress, again, boobs propped up perfectly. And I had this really cute little quirky sort of kitschy handbag that I lent from my mum. And I walked through the crowds and everyone turned because they'd realised that I'd changed dress. And I just had never felt that feeling. And you can see it in the photos because the photographer yeah. had just realised I'd walked back to it, back in. And I'm kind of like sauntering through. And for me, that was just the moment yeah. that I will always, always think about. And that's that's just what an what an amazing feeling yeah. to have. Oh, yeah, I can. I and I was a dress at can the do pictures. that, you know. And yeah, and and that's what I'm saying is that it's for me. It's it's everything that comes together. I've been in. I I know friends who have had really awful experiences getting dresses. Yeah. They still kept with that particular designer yeah. and worn the dress. But I don't know if it exudes the same kind of emotion no. that perhaps I felt. Yeah. Because the process was so beautiful as well. Yeah, I think that it is so important. And, you know, we 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 don't have brides that have bad experiences here. No. And the minute, you know, so if anyone's ever having a freak out of their fittings, we'll, we'll, you know, let's take the dress off and let's sit and have a cup of tea and let's talk about it. Or do you want to come back tomorrow? Yeah. Because it's, it, it's never the dress. Because we will make sure that dress is perfect before you leave here. And it's... You know, one time we had a bride and she was like, I just think it's the wrong colour. And it was the final fitting and she'd had all the fittings. And we were like, but we don't do this dress in any other... I'm sure it was a different shade. On the website, it looks a different colour. And I was like, is everything okay? Oh, no. And she went, my husband sent all of the evening invites to the day guests and all the day guests, day invites to the night guests. So you can't undo... Oh, no. You can't reverse that. It's what fine. You... you tell the people that thought they were only coming to the yeah. evening. Oh, no, that was a mistake. Yeah. But all of the people you can't then go, oh, actually, you're not actually invited to the, you know, you can't. <laughs> so she was just in bits and was literally the, the dress was getting it. And it was, you know, so it. Yeah, we become kind of therapists and mm. we become family liaison officers sometimes <laughs> when, there's, you know, we're in the fitting room and we're going. Do you want to come back on your own next That's week? That's hilarious. You just touched on something that was really interesting. And I, I think I, I possibly tried to utter these words to you at some point as well, a couple of years ago. Um, being in the bridal industry, there are a lot of women out there who sort of, in the run up to their wedding, obviously want to be the best version of themselves and may want to look a certain way. And one of those ways might be to lose a ton of weight um, I think I did try and say that to you and I think you told me to shut up and I probably took your advice on that. You know, how do you deal with brides that are kind of wanting to transform themselves and the pressures they put on themselves, especially just in general in that sort of industry? It's like, not that I was ever told that I had to lose weight for my wedding day, but I sort of had it ingrained in me that, oh my God, I had to make sure that I'd lost a half a stone, you know, when I walked down that aisle. Yeah, it's hard, really, because some people you can, you know, I'm firm with and I'm like, you're not bloody wearing Spanx. Absolutely <laughs> not. You're not putting them under that dress. And actually, let's just make the dress work for you and you not work out to get into the dress. You know, when we do a sample sale here, we make sure that the dress fits you and we're not selling you something two sizes too small just to get the sale. And 
And there's that whole kind of sex in the city thing where they're pouring themselves into dresses or, you know, rush, you know, the grabbing dresses off racks. In it, it's kind of like there's enough pressure in life rather than trying to make yourself fit into a stereotype or what people think you should look like or the dress size you know we are we don't do a curve collection here we're inclusive in the fact that I'm a size 20 to 22 and you can literally order that dress in any size I mean we're not terribly structured as you know you know the same as me with a with a bust mm. but we can make those dresses mm. work to support you and if you want to have a soft tailor dress then we are you know we are the brand or you can go bespoke and have a full-on scaffold and supported dress um, but it's, you know, it's it's find that brand and that dress that just ticks all the boxes. And if it is support and being nipped in at the waist with corsetry that you want, then that is out there and and, and enhance those fig the, those curves and, and your figure. Or, you know, we have the opposite here. We also have women that simply can't put weight on and they're like, I've got no waist. I have no curves. How can you make me look more feminine on my wedding day? I'm straight up, straight down. And it works you know, you have the most incredibly gorgeous, slim women that feel, you know, they don't want their arms out. They're too thin or they don't like their collarbones and they want, you know, the same as you. You're like, I want it <laughs> up to my chin and down to my wrists and to my ankles. It's kind of it works with all body shapes and we've all got insecurities. And if somebody says to me they want sleeves and they never go out the house without their arms covered, then I'm not going to talk them into having a strapless dress. We'll listen to those things and and find versions of like you know the beautiful drape around the arm of the scotty on you and mm. you know it's kind of what is your favorite design oh my gosh i love the charlotte dress which is the quite power mesh it's got drapes oh, off the yes. arm and the full circle silk crepe skirt it's very much kind of inspired by my wedding dress which leads me on very yeah. seamlessly <laughs> to talking about your wedding dress obviously you designed your own um what was the inspiration behind your dress it evolved <laughs> it really evolved I never put enough effort into my wedding dress at all I really? yeah I look at the pictures on the day and think oh gosh that should have more drape in it it's a bit tight but I just love it I wouldn't you know if I, I would have exactly the same dress again I always imagined I'd be head to toe in lace and the only lace I had was I had a polka dot veil but had a very broad lace band around it that oh, wow. um, my assistant at the time that was one of my bridesmaids she made as a wedding present for me to my design um, but the whole dress was duchess silk and metres and metres I think it was 17 metres the skirt just kept pleating back on itself and it weighed a ton I was moving it the other day it was in the it's in the loft I mean it really is just I mean I'm the worst it got dry cleaned twice I couldn't get all of the stains off the hem <laughs> You know, the corset actually is in the office because I brought it in for somebody oh, to try wow. on. <laughs> it's kind of like... So it's in all different yeah, places. it's like the veil's on top of the cupboard in my studio. It's like I really should just box this up in a Absolutely. acid-free tissue paper and preserve <laughs> it myself. It. I know, it's ridiculous. What food did you have at your wedding? Oh, my gosh, we had amazing... We had Detox Kitchen that had just started. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh, gosh. It was when she first started and I was... I was um I used to go to a gym in Knightsbridge um and Nicola my trainer was amazing and I was just like I just want to be healthy and fit it's not about losing weight but I've, I've I've got a really bad knee and she just built me strength up that I could wear heels down the aisle and I could kneel without any pain and that was the the main objective for exercise for me I actually I think I probably put on half a stone before the wedding hence that corset looking a bit tight um <laughs> and uh 
detox kitchen did huge big salads and platters oh, and amazing fabulous. stuff and um and then i had a hog roast company do big plates and plates and i didn't eat a thing on my what? wedding day i didn't i it was Kate. my dream meal it was just dream salads what and dream happened? i was just i just was just i just was sick with love on the day really? i was like yeah it was the most incredible day and did you have any wedding cake no, I don't think I did. What was the cake? It was uh, made by um, my friend's mother. It was just tears and tears and f- colours and minty Fab. green and oh, stacked wow. towers of it. And uh, yeah, it was amazing with swags and it was really colourful. And the whole wedding was more like a kid's party, I suppose. Every um, diptyque centred the wedding as a gift oh, for me. Yes. So every name place setting was a small diptyque candle with a, a balloon a helium balloon stuck to the candle that floated it so when you walked in there was 200 places and long it was a big long table then small tables coming off so I was basically in the middle of the whole party and um, it was um, just a, a sea of balloons it just looked what amazing what a brilliant idea yeah. well, I wish I knew about that before I was organising my wedding <laughs> Bringing it a little bit back to present day, obviously um, we have no choice but to cook at the moment. Are you a big cook? Massive cook. We're such foodies, James and I. What are your specialities at home? Um, we just love roasting loads of vegetables from celeriacs to um, when I was eating potatoes. We we we've grown on. We've started growing loads of veg and we'd cut the onions and lay them in the in a roasting dish with black garlic and then new potatoes and just roast them to the, this big crusty yummy mm. feast and are you eating banana meat? shallots and um, do you still eat meat now yeah you do yeah eat meat most now. definitely okay. yeah 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 good yeah a mackerel i mean we've got Ooh. an amazing fish we, we eat a lot of fish as well but we barbecue tons of mackerel fillets when we have big parties and yeah just oh, tons of salads i am literally I'm coming to yours yeah, after lockdown i'm all about salads like <laughs> detox kitchen and yeah and when you are allowed out, where are some of your favourite restaurants? Um, we love the Fordwich Arms, which is down near us in Kent. Um, Barafina, sitting at the counter, James and I feasting away. I remember when Sylvester was a baby. He's not been in there since he could sit and literally would destroy all of that ham and the ham on and the, the tortillas and the, everything. The razor clams and the deliciousness of their... Um, yeah, Barafina... I used to love Ian O when I lived in West London and their duck did and you watermelons. Used to live in uh, in, yeah. Did you used to live in Ian O? Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I did. <laughs> practically each week. Um, you lived in West London, I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, 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 for many years. Ah. Before I met James, that's oh, where right, in Apple okay. Grove I was. Um, but yeah, their duck and watermelon salad. Oh, do you know, I have to say, it's still good, but they've made the portion sizes so much smaller now. Oh, boring. It used to be huge. Huge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always finish my conversations with a few quick fire questions. Oh gosh, no pressure. No pressure whatsoever. My favourite snack of all time is a packet of crisps. Ditto. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. What is your favourite flavour and why? Oh, do you know, it's really hard to commit to it, but <laughs> it's this a has happened with our, the, our entire gang from our uh, the staying in Zoom things that we were doing in the original lockdown is those salt and vinegar um, Chris from the co-op I don't know if you've ever tried it no. you have to try that literally they'll take your entire tongue off they are so incredible but the, the they only do giant bags of them and it is the but is it a co-op owned brand yeah it's the co-op owned brand it's like a kettle chip but it's the oh, it's co-op owned brand of their vinegar 
um, salt oh, and vinegar oh, crisps. Okay, oh, good. My oh, it's God. a good salt and vinegar. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it knocks the socks off any... Brilliant. Any, okay, yeah. I need to go and get some. Yeah, you have to. Because I quite like the consistency of kettle chips. Yeah. Because I prefer the thicker yeah. cut. However, I really don't like the balsamic vinegar no, 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 and no, salt no. kettle chips. No, I agree. Okay, I'm glad, okay, I'm glad we're on that. So You'll much. die, yeah. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? I can remember when I was in France talking about that the raw meat, and I remember in France they used to have bags and bags of frog's legs in the freezer that they would then get out, you defrost them, and they would literally just the little, there's barely any meat on a frog's leg, isn't it? So yeah. they were the lower, like almost hip, like just these little frogs, like <laughs> I just remember. Spindly little. Yeah, that we then dusted in a flour and, and deep fried and made these little nibbly. So I, yeah, I remember cooking those when I was nice. living in France on, on Ilderay. Uh, well, there's barely anything there. Yeah. I mean, it was like trying to get thing? a bit of chicken. Do you eat the whole No, you kind of okay. nibble like a, right. yeah, like chicken, a leg, chicken wing. But yeah. What has been your most memorable meal? Do you know what? I think there were some amazing lockdown meals. What James picked nettles from the garden because we've got an acre that was um, old allotments that we're trying to put a swimming pond into and vegetable patches and we're just doing it gradually and so there's an area that just gets covered in nettles and James picked with rubber gloves on the tops of loads of nettles blanched them and then turned it into a nettle salad in lockdown with other things that we'd grown out of the garden and carrots and and this just it was just an amazing lunch that we had that day with steak and a bottle of wine I mean we literally had a bottle of wine at breakfast lunch and dinner in the last lockdown <laughs> yeah, and, and i've I'm literally really haven't drank properly since that i only drink red really? wine now i used to drink gin and tonics <laughs> from about 12 o'clock um so yeah i think it was just everything about it, it was the, the weather that we had in the last lockdown we just kept moving the garden furniture around the garden and having just different kind of pretending we were different places it was sounds idyllic yeah it was i want to be locked down yeah, with you it was come you're I'm welcome coming yeah <laughs> What is your favourite food? I, I love Asian food. All, any sort of Asian food. I am just, yeah. Yeah, and my husband's food. I mean, he's so clever at making a meal out of the scraps that are left over. Oh, I and think that's we, such a talent. We boil all the bones and Brilliant. he'll make a foe from the roast beef Fat. bones. And yeah, he will drizzle some sesame oil on it or some fish oil into something or a salad. And he, he has that... He finds the unami in kind of in the the depth and the levels and the yeah he's very clever. I love that. I can't wait for this pizza garden oven I know, to that, be. I think that's when yeah, I'm coming. You are. You definitely <laughs> you have to come and try it. My final question, and I think the most important: live to eat or eat to live? Live to eat. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Kate, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so happy to be back in the boutique um, and I hope that well I don't know why I might come back here but I will come back here again maybe for when I, I don't know, renew my vows or something. You can follow Kate on social media at Halfpenny London. Bye. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening and joining us this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend and another, and maybe another. Don't forget, you can follow all the crazy sexy antics on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, at Crazy Sexy Food. Until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.